Hello, my loves. It is great to be back with you. It's reunited and it feels so good after my little break, my hiatus, my vacation, staycation, whatever you want to call it. Putting my feet up and kind of just chilling out for a little bit, taking a break. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And now we're back here together. And cause when we're together, together, we're better and life's a song. Okay, no, I'm not gonna go all Edith Bouvier Beal on your ass. That's all Grey Gardens sort of stuff. And if you've seen Grey Gardens, that is another story for actually another show that I have planned on toxic relationships and codependency and what can happen. And if, if you don't know anything about Grey Gardens, immediately go and, and Google it. So again, again, enough, enough about that. And much ado about nothing, honestly. I've wound down, I've wound down for the last few weeks and I've wound up too, because I've got wound up too, I'm not gonna lie. And so I welcome you to episode 101 of 21st Century Rocker Mom podcast with me, your obnoxious, sometimes half-dressed, scantily clad woman about to go forth in sin, host, Tanny Candler, that's me. I'm here, I'm hanging out with you. I'm back, like I say, <clears throat> I'm back and I won't crack because I've been, I've been, I've been whack. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just thinking of things that rhyme, but no, anyways, <clears throat> like I say, Always ready to go forth and sin me. Speaking of women and sinning, oh my God, the, the, the news this week, the news this week, Lizzo, my angel baby Lizzo, made the headlines this past week with accusations of sexual misconduct and harassment and so on and so forth. So upon further inspection, because you like, you know, you know that I need to do research on this. I just can't read a headline and be like, Lizzo said, someone said Lizzo sexually harassed them. Now she's being sued. I can't leave it at that headline. I need to go searching through the rabbit hole, down the rabbit hole, down the articles, looking for the truth. Because somewhere at the end of it all, there's going to be the truth or a shred of it somewhere. So I had to find out a little bit more about what this was about. Like, how did Lizzo do this? I really couldn't believe this headline. And like she quoted and she, like she made a statement saying it's just as, you know, kind of unbelievable as it sounds. And it really is unbelievable. Like it turns out, like, here's the story. <clears throat> so allegedly Lizzo treated her dancers badly and made them feel sexually harassed. And she was like harsh with them. I'm using quotes because I didn't say this. Um... So here's that story. Touring is like fucking wild. I don't know if you know about touring, but even these days, touring is wild. Touring is exhausting. It's not always like, it's not fun all the time. It's not a 24 hour fucking party. And like, you have a lot of pressure on you to be amazing every night, especially with the caliber of show that a performer like someone like Lizzo puts on. She's out there giving it like 250 fucking percent every single show. So she obviously expects the same from her entourage and her dancers and anyone who's going to be involved with her show. I would too, right? Like I would expect that. So if you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you, there probably fucking is. And if you signed up to go on tour with Lizzo, then shame on fucking you for not knowing what you were <laughs> up against. Like really? And then as for like, seriously, like, as for being like, you know, giving that 200, 
yeah, you're going to be tired. Like, can you be offended about it? Can you be mad? Like, no, you, you signed up for this. Like someone said to me the other day, punk's not dead. We're just tired. Like, it's just the same as any other performing artist. And I feel this, even though it's been a while since I performed, I mean, you go out and you give like a million percent and then you need to like recharge. Some people need like intravenous, like fluids. I know people that are performers, Brett Michaels, like for instance, from Poison, he has type one diabetes. So after he goes out and gives it hell, like he gets intravenous like fluids to balance his electrolytes for his diabetes, like and for his blood sugar, to make sure everything's cool after he plays shows. He wants to give it shit with Poison. He wants to give like 110% every night, like or 250% every night, but that's the way he goes about it. So what do you think would be expected of you on like a Lizzo tour? Like, do you think it would be grueling or do you think it'd be 24 hour parties, all fun and games, no worky? <clears throat> Like I've said it, like tour is not one big fucking party. It's really not. It is sometimes. If you don't treat it as a business, guess what? These days, you're as good as dead in the water. You'll go out of business. If you, music is a business and so is performing and, and any kind of artistry. If you don't treat it as a business, you're out of business, man. That's what's going to happen. <clears throat> and where, where did the sexual harassment piece come from? Well, <clears throat> you do sometimes I have a chance to have, I have to pick something up here. I dropped. Oh, I'm always dropping something. I'm going to open my beverage. You do at some points in tour, on tour, have time to like go out and like enjoy like your surroundings, enjoy where you are. You get days off. Like it's not completely like horrible. Your whole life isn't completely planned out for you. So Lizzo's tour, they decided to, I guess, go to her and her entourage, her group, the people that were touring with her, dancers, etc., backup singers, whatever, band. They decided to all go to, I think it was a strip club or something of the like. And I guess it was getting pretty raunchy. And like Lizzo, I mean, if you're touring with Lizzo, you're already probably cool with like sex, open talk about sex, open talk about masturbation and, you know, uh, promiscuity and it being like positive like body positivity and sex positivity and promiscuity po like positivity going out and if you can't you know get over one guy just get under somebody else <clears throat> if you are touring with Lizzo how do you not know that this is already kind of what she sings about <clears throat> it shouldn't offend you and if you're offended you shouldn't be touring with her so these folks went out to a strip club and I guess it got pretty fucking raunchy and I mean as strip clubs do and I guess there was some stuff going on and I don't know, maybe there was some pegging going on. I don't know allegedly what happened, but you know, you're not supposed to touch the dancers. And I think Lizzo maybe allegedly suggested to some of her staff and entourage that maybe you do touch the dancers. This is funny, right? And they were offended and this made them feel harassed and this made them feel un comfortable it made them feel uncomfortable and offended and harassed uncomfortable but mostly they want to sue lizzo because <clears throat> and i quote she made them feel uncomfortable my doctors put her finger up my ass before have i can i sue my doctor because she made me fucking uncomfortable what kind of world are we living in you're gonna sue someone because you were uncomfortable that's pain and suffering now I'll put it this way. If you're on tour with Lizzo and you don't like sex, 
you must have not read between the lines or something. You must have not read on like on the dotted line or your contract or something or must have not seen her before because there you go. Like I say, <clears throat> I think the allegations are wild and they're ridiculous. And like I said, when my doctor put her finger on my ass, I couldn't sue her for making me uncomfortable. She didn't even buy me dinner. No dinner, no flowers, just a finger up the ass. It's like you're on tour <clears throat> with Lizzo. As a dancer, you know how adult the choreography and the subject matter of the songs are, etc. And now suddenly you're uncomfortable because some strip club silliness. People will literally try to throw shit at you in any way they can, especially when fucking money is involved. And I will get to that later because as far as musicians go, this is true. <clears throat> they are worth a lot of lie because you can sue them. Assume for royalty, assume for rights, assume all kinds of ways. But musicians, and someone said this and it rings true, musicians are worth more dead than they are alive. And let me tell you why later. I will tell you about this. We'll get into this touring. <clears throat> I have to clear my throat. I'm sorry. It is allergy season, like, and we're in full swang up here in Canada. So I like, I got a drink with me all the time. I'm constantly clearing my throat. I constantly have that, you know, like drip going on. Too much information. Try to clear it with lemon water and different things and club soda, it doesn't work. Touring is no joke though, like for real. I'm gonna get back to this because it's no fucking joke. You're talking to a gal who went out at like 14. I was like 14 when I first went out. I almost did not go anywhere with anyone. My parents were both hell bent on my least favorite word, no, the word no. They're hell bent on me not joining kitty number one and not going on the road for sure with kitty like mostly my mom was worried like sick she was like it's like how i would be just worried sick where are you where are you tonight where are you sleeping are you okay did someone take you like you know the crazy the mom thoughts that go through your head i don't know if the dad thoughts go through dad's heads like this because i'm not a dad so i can't speak to that right but like my dad just caught a really bad vibe about it just generally and didn't like the idea of me being out that young and stuff like that. We were supervised, like I say, but looking back, we got away with a fuckload, man. Like we got away with shit. So I was asked in the spirit, in the spirit, not, not too recently, but recently, would I personally as the metal mama and this rock and roll lady that I am, this heavy metal maiden, would I let my kids join the circus and join a band and go on tour? The answer is this. I have a conditional offer. I have a conditional offer for this. It's conditional because it's like a Billie Eilish and Phineas thing. Like like Phineas Eilish, like, like she sings and he does all like the programming and the drums and the music and their parents go with them and they make sure that they're the handlers and they make sure that no creepy people are trying to dip their hands in the pot. You know, because honestly, if we could go and like Rob and I be the kids chaperones and handlers and stuff, I would be fine with that. Absolutely. Would I just hand my kids over to whomever or like a talent agency or whatever? Fuck no, 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 no. Too many sickos, too many vampires out there and they're ready to pounce. They're ready to pounce at all times. They're ready to pounce when I was, you know, that age, you know, and there's something 
that my parents, you know, struggled with like there, especially. And that was not being able to actually like be there for all the shows. Like we traveled with like other people's parents, not our own. Like I didn't travel with my parents. Like for instance, they'd be on all our hometown shows, but not like everywhere I was in the States and stuff like that. My parents couldn't be there. So that's something that they really struggled with. So for my kids personally, like I would make it a point to insert myself and be there. Like when it came to them doing their social media and stuff like that, you want to make sure they have like autonomy and things of that nature. And they're posting what they want as long as it's within their age sort of limit, I guess. It, it all depends on what kind of image also they're trying to portray and like what's going on, like what you're producing here, like what the product is. But like for real, for real, for real, I would not let my kids go out unless I was going along with them. We're all going on tour. It's like the fucking Partridge family. Come on, get happy, everybody. Let's do it. And I mean, since my parents weren't even married at this time, long since divorced, but like besties, divorce schools, they like totally agreed that me going on tour was probably not a good idea and I was going to get into some trouble. And like, I did get into some trouble. They were like, right, and everything like that. But I recently, I thought this was cool because this is like divorce schools. My parents like were total divorce schools because they were like best friends and they shared a special love and respect for each other. And I thought that was cool. And I read this week and, and heard about this week something that is also divorce schools. And this is like this awesome trend that I thought I can totally fucking get behind this. I heard about Chelsea Handler was talking about this and everybody knows that I love me some Chelsea Handler. I love her. I just love her. Now, there's a trend in the West African region of Mauritania that they have divorce parties for women who have recently become unhitched. So let me be clear here. They eat and they drink and they be merry and they celebrate these women just like a bachelorette party, but with like a way better outcome. Like you don't have to get married to some fucking smelly dude who you probably don't even like. Like, so these divorce parties are, are really popular and studies show that women in Mauritania and generally divorced women as a whole are number one, revered as more desirable. And why, why? Why are divorced women more desirable? Whether you agree or disagree or not. This is science, motherfucker. There's like science just can't be argued with because it's science, it's been proven. The end. So science states that divorced women, more desirable. Why? Because we've already been through that shit. We already know what we want and what we don't want. We know and we realize our own value, which helps you kind of value your partner and value that relationship more if you can value each other and communicate more because you already know what doesn't work. So you're going to kind of try to find out what does. Unless like, I mean, like you don't want a partner and you just like want to bang, which is totally okay too. Like do whatever you want. I think divorce is a huge blessing in so many ways. I don't think the stay together for the kids thing is, is, is good. I think that is a an old plight that is like really, really old, like really old, a super old plight. And it's like, do you want your kids to see you happy? Like, or do, like, you can get better for the kids, but not stay together for the kids. Like not stay together while you're fighting, like improve yourself. You know what I mean? Check your fucking self. If you're not doing great, get better for the kids. Don't stick together for the kids, but get better for the kids. You can do that. I think that's cool. 
like I can say, I'm going to become actually a divorce party planner because I think that it would be like a really lucrative career because of course, if it's trending somewhere else, it's going to be trending here soon. And I mean, don't forget about fucking Bel Air or like LA, like, cause there's like lots of divorces like there. So for sure, I would start my business there. That's where my business would be based. Not that I'm going to start it right away, but divorce party planning. I mean, <laughs> why not? This is where like I celebrate divorce, you know? I want to celebrate divorce along with you. I think I love you, divorce, seriously. I've had a good experience with divorce overall. Like I say, my parents got divorced, became best friends, better moms and dads for us kids. They learned to have a mutual love and respect for each other. They loved each other and you could kind of see that, like in a way that's like, we they loved each other in a way uh, that, you know, people who've had children together, they love each other in a way that they respected each other, they valued each other, and they loved us more, I think, when they separated themselves from each other. I don't think my parents ever stopped like loving each other, not in the same like way, obviously, but I don't think they ever stopped like loving each other. My experience with divorce is not the same. I do not love my ex. I have no love for that man, as that was a really abusive marriage. So of course I don't, no thank you. No, 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 no. Plus, after getting out of like 17 years of hell, I met Rob and I had a two-year-old son at the time when I met Rob and a violent ex-husband. So he was like, that sounds fun. No, I'm just kidding. Like, no, he, he knew about all this stuff when we met, but he, he, you know, he was a sport. He went along with it. I'm just like, so I have a son and if he doesn't like you, we cannot date. And I also have a psychotic ex-husband. So yeah, there's that. So uh, yeah, like literally textbook psychotic. So <clears throat> I won't get into that craziness, but I'm joking. Then, then we, like I say, we had a little girl not too long after that. She actually played the kitty show with me when she was six months gone in my, my giant belly. And I was enormous, like enormous. I recently like the other night actually ran in to a friend who I hadn't seen in like fucking forever. And I, her and I had, and we shared a moment. Like we shared a moment. Like we just, we had the nicest hug. And I wanted to burst out into tears because I'm a fucking marshmallow. Like I cry about everything. But she had met my son because she'd seen him when he was like a baby and stuff like that. I think she was even at my baby shower. Ah, I think she was, I, I can't remember. It's My kids are getting older. And I'm getting older and more forgetful and things. And But my youngest daughter, she only known my youngest like child, my youngest daughter. I have a son, eldest son, but I, just two. But she, my daughter, like I say, my youngest, she'd only known her as playing at a kitty concert when I was six months pregnant with her. So she got to see her like in real life. And my daughter's like five and like a half now. So she was like, oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. And she just like... She's like, she's going to be a little rock star. And she treated her like the little rock star that she is. And, and my daughter was very happy with that because she's just, she's such a little like diva. She loves to sing. She had to put her coat down while we we're at a festival because there was a like Calypso music on and she had to dance. She's like, can you hold my coat? I'm like, sure. And she always like asks me random things. Like she'll ask me the funniest questions, but this one was, can you hold my coat? And I was like, yeah. I thought she was cold. I, she didn't want to wear a coat, so I guess she was warm. I'm like, okay, you warm? No, I need to dance. I'm like, oh, so this is for mobility. Okay, 
So I held her coat, she danced her ass off. The rock star, she says, we let's do a lot of music in this house. So there's a lot of opportunity for her to learn how to dance and tap her feet. And she dances with like my sister a lot and stuff like that. My sister will teach her like little dance moves and I'll dance with her and be silly, but I'm a terrible dancer. Horrendous, love to dance, but I am a, like an atrocious dancer. Terrible, terrible. So question of the week, because I still get questions of the week. This one's not from Rob. This one someone actually wrote in with. And the question of the week is, what song makes me like ball my eyes out? Fuck, so many, fuck me. Mm. Like, do you want to know about songs like this week that make me cry my eyes out or songs like that make me cry my eyes out in general? Like, oh my God, like every, everything. Like it's, there's, there's a lot of songs that are attached to so many moments that'll just make me start crying. Sometimes I don't even know that the song is going to make me cry and it just evokes an emotion in me. It's like all of a sudden all the hair on my arm will stand up and then I'll just get goosebumps and then I'll start crying. Like if it's anything about like kids growing up, like there's an ABBA song called Slipping Through My Fingers. Every time I listen to it, I'm just like, Boo! I'm like a mess every time I listen to that. There's a, like a few songs, there's a few songs particularly that remind me of like my dad that I used to listen to with my dad that made me cry when my dad was alive. And now that my dad's passed away, they definitely make me cry like hard, like really hard and I can't stand like I can hardly, well, I can hardly stand listening to them. One is a child song by Marie McLaughlin, and that's a Canadian artist. Look up the song, it's a beautiful song, but the song is, it's really, like it really hits me hard. And that's probably because of my uncles and stuff like that, but like that's one of the songs that really makes me sad and it makes me ball. So I've decided to see like some concerts because I haven't been able to go to like flashy concerts because Seizure Salad is back in May. And we've seen some good concerts this summer and festivals, mostly like I see like local acts that have been at like summer markets. And I've seen stuff at Punk Rock Flea Market and things that like the drive-in, you know, I love the drive-in and I love me a good concert. Just as long as I say is there's no flashing light. So I haven't been able to see any I've gone to like night things, but nothing with too many flashy flashies and like nothing with strobe lights. Like lights are fine, but strobe is not good for me. So we stay away from that. Like I say, you know, I love the drive-in. I've been going to the drive-in. It's drive-in season because it's the summer. I went crawfishing the other day. We, the kids wanted to go crawfish and I promised them like, I was like my goal, I have goals that I set for myself and I don't know if you do, my personal goals is that I was like, I want to be like a more fun, like mom. Now that I have my driver's license, I have to focus on driving you places. I can focus on party planning for you kids and doing crazy things like, and doing more crazy things. And we just need someone to drive us anyways. So like Rob's a sport, he drives and like my mom will drive and like, there's always somebody to drive. So anyhow, the kids wanted to go crawfishing and go, go fishing for crawfish and get some crawdaddies eh? because my son loves to fish with them. Him and his friends caught a whole mess of crawdaddies up at my uncle's house and then caught a bucket of them. He stuck his hand in. None of the other fucking kids wanted to stick their hand in this bucket of crawdaddies. And they're pinching like shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. My son just goes, I get poked with like six needles a day. This is nothing. Sticks his hand into the crawdaddy bucket. And all the kids are like, whoa, whoa, you've got balls. And like, these kids are funny because they're like in grade two to grade four. So hearing things like those kids say like, you got balls, it's funny. I just like sat there and just 
kind of giggled to myself. I didn't say much. So after we went crawfishing to satisfy the need because of all the crawfishing we've already done this summer and the buckets and buckets of crawfish that we've caught, the kids wanted to go to the drive-in. And I, like I say, I promised my children we'd go to the drive-in, as did Rob. And I also promised you that I would do reviews and I didn't do a Barbie review. Like I said, I was gonna do the Barbie review in a reel, but then I thought, you know what? I can't keep it to 90 seconds talking about what I really thought about the Barbie movie. I'm sure I, could, I can condense this explanation, but I could like literally have writ, written like pages and pages of what I thought about this movie because of what I thought about it. Like I say, a reel is not enough. So the movie that has been pissing off Republicans like a brother fucker that's doing amazing at the box office, Barbie, Greta Gerwig's promised instant classic, I, what do I think? No, it's a box office smash. Like the box office is not lying. And is it up to my standards though, for what it's worth? For what it's worth, is, did I like it? Is it Tanya approved? Actually, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It could easily be like an essay of like an existential sort of crisis or meltdown and how one could or should maybe navigate it and the self, realization story that kind of goes along with it that's all threaded through that because Barbie has a lot of self-realization in the movie and all in the movie like it has a clever set design everything in Barbie's world is like pink as it should be the Barbie mansion the pink house like that's like the White House but Barbie is the president pink buildings even the Kens and yes, all of them, our names are Kens. All the dudes are Kens and all the chicks are Barbies. And like anyone who identifies as male is Ken and anyone who identifies as female is Barbie. Except for like Midge and shit and like Alan. There's like a few other characters, but like generally they're all that. And like this movie has a clever way to like squash the patriarchy and make Ken look like a totally like, like macho jock dink. But it also like has another way of also not putting up with the matriarchy either and pointing out the fact that like everything in Barbie's world's pink and everything's run by women and Ken's day is only made if Barbie looks and smiles at him. That's the only way his day can be made. So it looks at matriarchy too and how women can kind of like poke fun at men. And it doesn't tolerate either of the two of the things. It doesn't tolerate patriarchy and it doesn't tolerate matriarchy. That's why I like the movie, it's balanced. It's really balanced. It's something that is more out of the box, no pun intended. You definitely feel more empowered to be who you are and what you are like unapologetically. And like I say, when I say it squashes like the matriarchy and stuff, it's like it shows this one part where like Barbie, at, they ask Barbie, like Ken says to Barbie, you want to hang out tonight and have a date night or whatever? And she's like, I can't, I'm having a girl's night because every night is fucking girl's night at the Barbie mansion. Every night, every fucking night to sleep over with your friends. And then like someone asked Barbie, like, where did the Ken sleep? And she was just like, I don't know. Like she didn't know and she didn't give a fuck either. So it just, it showed that, you know, it is matriarchal in a way. <laughs> and what Barbie can kind of be like. And it was, it was funny, it was cute, and I thought it was thoughtful. Trigger warning if you lost your parents, especially like your mom. Compliments of Ryan Gosling's Kennergy. I needed a trigger warning, because like, but no one gave me one, because no one had seen it. 
So I didn't get to have a trigger warning. So I got to, there was a part where I had a little tear. I'll say that. From finding out about the real world and having flat feet, having an actual real vagina. Because at the end, Barbie has to go to the gynecologist because she finds out she has a vagina, like an actual anatomical vagina. Because you know what Barbie dolls and Ken dolls private parts look like. They just look like a little plastic hump lump thing that's between their legs. Or Barbie has like a crack down the front of her. It's like the funniest thing ever. It looks like a front butt. It's... <laughs> It's hysterical. I can't believe I just said that. I feel like I'm five. But no, but really, Barbie's front butt, she found out she had an actual vagina, so she has to go to the gynecologist. So it's a box office blast. Lots of fun, but lots of like adult things that kids won't really necessarily understand. Not that they're really bad or that they're really super grown up. Her like finding out her <laughs> she had a vagina. My son was like, he was just like, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. I was like, anyways, vagina felina, let's call the whole thing off. But like kids though, what I say, like when I give like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a better rating, you'll hear about that for kids, for kids. For adults, 10 out of 10, but for kids, maybe skip this one with the kids. Like kids don't understand existential crises, five out of 10 for the kids, but like, cause it's fun, like pink and there's good music in it and stuff like that, but and if the kids are older, maybe take them. But the next movie most recently that we saw was, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. And we were really waiting to see this one because like my son loves Ninja Turtles by default. Like my daughter is obsessed with them too because they played with like their guys together and stuff like that. Like Rob and I first got, um, let's see, how old was he? We got our dude Ninja Turtles when he was like almost three. He got them for Christmas. And he liked his guys like then. And then he started playing with them and then he started watching the cartoon a little bit and he got into it a little bit. But like right now though, he's eight. And it's like the exact age that we were-ish, like around eight, nine, when the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie came out. So he's like super excited like we were. It's like, go ninja, go ninja, go ninja, ninja, rap. Like just, he just, he's loving it. He's loving it so much. So like, we really wanted to see it and the kids really wanted to see it. But the day of the movies, the kids were being wieners and they were acting very poorly. So I was like, guys, this is not happening. Like, I'm not taking you to the drive-in tonight. Forget this shit. We're not going. Forget it. I'm pissed. And they knew I was mad because I just like, I left the room. I was like, Ugh. I'm like, I can't be in this room. I have to leave the room. And like, they know if I leave the room, I'm fucking mad. If I say something, like I'm mad. But if I don't say something, I am fucking seething with anger. If I'm quiet, you know you're fucked. <laughs> it's true, seriously. When I'm saying something and I can flip you off, I can go up one fucking side of you and down the other. And I can be real mad. But if I say fucking nothing, I am seething with fucking anger. I'm boiling over the top. I'm just not saying anything. Because if I do say something, I'm going to say something I regret. Hardcore. So the kids know that I was fucking mad. And I wanted some like reasons from my son. Because he was being the winkiest. I said, I need reasons you deserve to go. I want you to think of something. He's like, I can't think of any. I'm like, okay, you're being like lazy right now. You, need to, you don't even want to think of reasons like why you should go. Then you shouldn't go at all if you can't even think of a reason. So Rob's like, okay, okay. So when we think of discipline in this house, it is brought to you by 80s and 90s pop culture cartoons and stuff. We do like pop culture parenting. So imagine like Bart Simpson, like writing out a million, you know, things. I will not put spiders in the teacher's hair on the chalkboard a million times. This is what we do to our kids. 
So <laughs> Rob was like, write me out a paragraph about why you love the movies. And this is what I dropped earlier. It's literally a paragraph on paper from the London Music Hall of Fame that I got from my good friend, Karen. She was giving out prizes and presents to the kids the one day we went to the London Music Hall of Fame because Kitty's in there and the kids wanted to see some stuff. So this is a note my eight-year-old son wrote about why he loves the movies and why he loves going to the drive-in. Here it is. I'm going to try not to laugh. Being with family and watching a new movie makes me happy. And it's funny when it's like 12 p.m. and I'm wide awake and most of the movies at the drive-in are funny. And I like the song when the movie's starting, when the guy says the F word. So there's a song. <laughs> it's like an O Canada song, but it talks about all the inventions in Canada. And someone, some guy's like, just, oh, Canada, oh, yeah, oh, Canada, I invented the motherfucking telephone, like that. And the first time we heard it, my son just looked at me and was like, oh, like he heard that F-bomb drop and like he heard it drop hard, right? And even my daughter like looked at me and she's young, right? She's five. So when she heard fuck, she was like, what the hell? Like with oh, Canada, they didn't know that these things go together. So he thought that that was the reason he loved going to the movie. So I was like, you know what? This is like a totally hilarious, like Bart Simpson moment. So I was like, okay, you can go to the movies. We're going. So we went to go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. And we ended up going and getting all kinds of snacks. I even smuggled in some vegan Burger King and a can of beverage, much like this one from my homies at Tokyo Smoke, where I get these. Mm. <clears throat> they're good they keep me calm nice and calm seizure free everything's good like i say the movie itself was incredible i was definitely transported back to like when the original movie came out like i said and how excited i was when i was a little kid when it came out donatello is my favorite ninja turtle for life just so you know i don't fucking hate on me i don't give a fuck what you think I don't care who your favorite Ninja Turtle is. My favorite Ninja Turtle is Donatello. And that's all it is. The animation was fantastic. It was detailed. The story was fun. And it was full of adventure and action-packed. Age-appropriate for everyone. Light-hearted with a fun spirit. Like I say, lots of bright colors. And the action just kind of never stopped. There's always something kind of going on. And pizza, of course, pizza. Everything that Ninja Turtles really can and should be it is and i give it like a 10 out of 10 two very enthusiastic thumbs up i love the new ninja turtles movie let's kick some shell it was awesome it was so good but i'm gonna tell you this right now wait till the very end don't get up like when it starts like ending and it's like ninja go ninja go go ninja go and the credits like end wait 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 don't get up out of your seat yet there's something waiting for you when you wait, you always get that special bonus at the end, like a special goodbye from like the cast or like an extra scene or like a sneak preview. It's cool. So trust me on this one. Stick around till the end. I've been staying cool, speaking of cool, by the pool this summer. I've had the kids swimming like seriously. And I go too. when my kids swim, I get in the water with them because they're not super strong swimmers. 
So because like like COVID in the summers and stuff, it kind of like effed everything up for a lot of their swimming and pools being closed and stuff like that and swimming lessons not being available and shit like that. So they're just kind of like doing it now. And I go swimming with them every time I go and everybody knows what my bathing suits look like. So the, the pool looks like OnlyFans every sunny day as I go with my kids. And it's funny because the kids met some kids from England. Every time they go to the pool, they make friends and usually the same kids go to the pool. And there's these kids that are down for the summer from England. And they were talking about my dad because my dad was born in England and these kids were born in London and they're down with their grandma, their gran for a month of August. And we're Harrison, like my son was talking about uh, a British bakery that we go to to get uh, custard slices and vanilla slices and Queen Anne's cakes and stuff like that. And they asked if I was my kids' nanny. They were like, oh, are you their nanny? Like, are you their nanny? Do you take them to the pool every day? And I'm just like, like, do you guys have a nanny? Like, do your parents have that much fucking money? Holy fuck. No, like, I'm, no, I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm not their nanny. Like, I'm their mom. And this comes on the heels of when I was up with my uncles with the kids, we took, like, Rob and I took the kids up to my uncles, my dad's uh, middle brother, my uncle Carl. And we took the kids up to Carl's place and... He lives in what I would call like a fucking Hobbiton paradise. It is like a high class, not a trailer park. It's more of a, a modular home sort of area. It's got a lake in it. It's beautiful. So my son went fishing with all these kids while my daughter went swimming with, with Rob and my uncle, my uncle Carl. And because my daughter is a polywog, just like me when I was a kid. But I also love fishing, right? Anything by the water I love. I'm an Aquarian, right? So either fishing or boating or or going like for a swim or being in the water or being by the water or going to the beach, whatever, not sitting on the beach. I can't sit on the beach and bake for fucking hours. I went to the beach a lot, like I say, over my holidays and stuff like that. And you're going to hear about that because Beards and Bitchin's back on the regular podcast because I'm not doing them separate anymore. I can't do it. I don't have the strength. But like I say, I was staying cool by the pool. Like I say, I had a really fun time educating Harrison's friends that thought I was his badass babysitter that were up at my uncle's house. They're like, oh, why we just thought you were Harrison's babysitter because like you're like badass. Like you carry like a, a army backpack and like a knife. I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, it has like my son's like, I'm like, it has his medication in it because he has diabetes and it also has like a knife. They're like, you carry a knife. My mom doesn't carry a knife. You don't look like a mom. I'm just like, thanks. You got a knife and a ukulele like strapped to your back. You're like a hippie. I'm like, something like that, guys. It's funny. I'm like, one edible in. Hilarious. But like, really, like, these kids needed a good educating that I'm the kid's mom. And so I had a good chuckle. And at 40, I guess, I don't know why they don't accept that. Like, I don't know. They didn't accept that I was his mom. So I'm not like fighting semantics with like eight year olds. So I was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, if I look 16 to you, let it be. Speaking words of wisdom, let it fucking be, man. Let it be children. August has been great for grilling. Rob bought me a new barbecue at the beginning of the summer. He also bought me like an outdoor grill chimney fucking thing. 
two that's also a barbecue you can grill on the top of it. I haven't taken that for a maiden voyage yet, but I can't wait to do something on that. I also have a smoker. And what the fuck do you smoke as a vegan and a vegetarian, right? You know what? We smoke plenty of and grow plenty of meat because our children still eat meat. Kids eat protein to grow. And I'm not going to indoctrinate. I'm not a nutritionist, like I say. So I'm not going to indoctrinate my kids and Rob isn't either into our lifestyle, however, however we're eating, like whether it's vegetarian, vegan, keto, paleo, gluten-free, whatever the fuck we're doing. I'm not, unless my kids have a serious allergy or something like, like our eldest, we got to watch sugar and be careful with certain carbs and simple sugars because he has diabetes and make sure this insulin is dialed up accordingly. And we make sure that he's on track with his blood sugar and so on and so forth. And we watch for things like cavities and sugar and stuff because I used to work at the dentist. We're, we're hyper aware of those things. But like I say, with the vegan lifestyle, I, I, I still barbecue a ton of meat. So I did a lot of barbecuing and grilling and smoking. I still do a ton of like meat because I say the kids are major carnivores. We do steaks, I do ribs, I do smoked chops, whatever the kids want. Rob brought me back some wicked um, dry rubs from his travels. He brought them back from Bucky's because I am obsessed with Bucky's because my kids call me Bucky Beaver. For some reason, they think my teeth think my teeth make me look like the mascot from Bucky's, like the gas station, like the, like the fucking truck stop, Bucky's. Like this is in Texas, this is in Florida. And Rob brought me some beaver nuggets, which I call buck nuts. I don't know why I call them that. I call them buck nuts and my kids make fun of me, but they're beaver nuggets. And he brought these dry rubs direct from his travels. And don't even ask me about like my Bucky's obsession. It's like fucking weird. Like it's strange. Like I know it's like, it's like the Walmart of fucking truck stops and gas stations. It's so fucking big. But like every time we go to the States, I'm talking about fucking Bucky's. I'm obsessed with it. I don't know why. We went to like a retro candy shop as well. I'm sure you saw the reel on my Instagram. I saw so many cool things in that candy shop. I found everything from Popeye cigarettes to sour cream and onion crickets. I got some of this like soap gum, these thrills. We used to like chew this when we were kids because they taste like, it tastes like soap. It's like soap gum. I got, what else did I get? I'm emptying the pockets. I got some butter rum lifesavers. They don't have real rum in them because that would that would make me a drinker, which I don't drink. That booze. I just got I just hit four years of, of sobriety. And not because I put Jesus into my heart, because I didn't put alcohol into my mouth. That's why. I, I didn't do that. I didn't do I did a 12-step program, but not the part, the like the religious part of it, because I'm not really religious and more spiritual. As you know. What else did they have at this fucking place? They had like 35 fucking flavors of Mountain Dew. Holy shit, Mountain Dew me. They had a Pepsi that tastes like marshmallow fucking peeps. It was like a root canal just waiting to happen. Amazing spot though. Nicest people that own it too. Nice, nicest people. It's called the Sweet Spot. They had some sodas there. They had pickle, dill pickle. They had pepper. They had spicy ones. They had bacon. It sounds like Someone, maybe me, needs to do a soda challenge soon. I am ready now. Now that I've been good with my health and my stomach and everything's been great, someone's ready to do a hot challenge again. And it looks like I'm going to do the fucking hot ones challenge, like the actual hot ones challenge with the entire kit and do the last dab and everything. We're going to do that one. And what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to get you all as sponsors. We're going to set up some sponsorship thing and we're going to pick a charity together. I don't know what we're going to pick. Probably 
something for our unhoused population in Forgotten 519 in my town. It helps with awareness and helping with homelessness and harm reduction and things like that. And I think that's really important in helping with uh, like harm reduction, like getting naloxone kits to people so they can help with overdoses and things like that. Helping with things that we need in the city. So one of our city councilors, like we have an unhoused crisis here in my city of London for people that don't have anywhere to live. Like our unhoused population is growing and it's a huge problem. And some people will say it's a problem because it's an eyesore and some people are fucking assholes. I don't give a fuck if you don't want to look at it. Do something fucking about it then. Don't sit there and bitch about it. Don't ask where the fucking money's going to come from. Fucking do something about it. If you don't want to do something about it, shut the fuck up and choke to death then. I don't give a fuck. But seriously, one of our fucking city councilors, this bitch, decided to fight homelessness by coming up with a plan and housing our unhoused or our underhoused population, our homeless population, as some people will call them. And her, her offer was conditional also. She decided by doing kind of uh, this thing where she was going to house unhoused people. She's going to give them shelter with conditions. They have to sign up for rehab or treatment. They have to get a job. They have to keep all these things. And everything has to be in order just like immediately like this. And then and you get a place to stay, which is like basically a shed. And uh, if you don't do any of these things, though, and you fail to do so, they arrest you and put you in jail. They arrest you. The last time I fucking checked, homelessness was like a, not a crime. It's not a crime to be homeless. It's not illegal to be fucking homeless. And to violate someone's human rights like that and tell them they have to sign up for rehab or sign up for this, not even knowing what their problem is and not knowing the reason they are homeless. Maybe they're not addicted to anything. You know what I mean? Maybe they can't get a job. Maybe they're a veteran. Maybe they have really bad post-traumatic stress disorder and they're terrified. You know, like think before you open your fucking giant fucking mouth. Okay. You know what I mean? Thrown in jail for being homeless. I mean, at least they're housed, right? I guess that's her, her, her whole premise. She's playing devil's advocate, tweeting bullshit from her fucking penthouse downtown apartment while people suffer in the streets and have to live in tents. But she's got no solution. She's, she's out there asking the hard questions. But you know what? She's not ready to answer them because I came at her recently with a bunch of really hard fucking questions and guess who had fucking fuck all to say back to me? Nothing. She's talked in circles and said, yes, but don't you think it's wonderful I'm doing something for the homeless? Don't you think it's wonderful I'm doing something for the homeless? I saw her response to every single person on Facebook. And that's all she said. So this counselor, she's going to be held accountable. So, so are the rest of the city councilors who sat back and did fucking nothing when she proposed to do this shit and arrest homeless people for being homeless. Her counselors, her fellow city councilors that sit with her said nothing. So that's just as bad. You are who you fucking hang with. Not cool. You know what? Fight the power, bitch. So I took a chunk out of this bitch. More to come on that. Fight the fucking power, bitch. Fight the power. Where did I get a lot of this activism stuff from? Where did I get a lot of this antsiness and this willingness to fight the power from? Well, to be perfectly honest, this week, Sinead O'Connor, well, the end of last week, rather, Sinead O'Connor passed away. And Sinead O'Connor, if you don't know who Sinead O'Connor was, is she is an Irish singer, an activist, who 
she was 56 years old. She came to the top of the charts with nothing compares to you. And she also made headlines controversially for her, her strong political views um, of things like the church and the state of things in Ireland and patriarchy and how women were treated in Ireland. I mean, you couldn't make a decision whether to wear, a, you weren't allowed to wear a skirt, you know, in Ireland, you weren't allowed to get pregnant unless, you know, the, the, the church said it was okay. This is why I'm wearing my separation of church and state, bitch, shirt today. See that shirt? It says separation of church and state, bitch. Those are two things that should not go together. One of these things is not like the other. Separate the fucking church and separate the state. Don't put those motherfucking two things together because then you got a really big mess. Fuck yeah. And Sinead O'Connor talked about that a lot. She talked about a lot. There's a lot of that like social commentary with her. She, I mean, she ripped up a picture of the fucking Pope on Saturday Night Live and, and then people turned on her. All why? In the end, she was fucking right. She ripped up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. Why? In protest to the fact that the Catholic Church are the biggest enablers of pedophilia and child pedophilia and hurting children in the fucking world. They're okay with it. They just enable it to go on. If a priest molests a kid, they don't do anything to the priest. They just move that priest's churches. They put him somewhere else. So you molest kids in another modality of place. They just find another way for them to do it. They just give them access. They make it very accessible for people in places of power to mess with vulnerable children. So fuck, fuck the church. And I'm going to say that completely honestly. Fuck the church. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what happens. I don't give a fuck. Sinead O'Connor told the truth about the church and then the world fucking turned on her. And like I say, they made fun of her. They came after her for telling the fucking truth. And look at all the stuff that comes out about like the church and how bad they molest people. The, 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 the human trafficking trade like with children and sexual abuse of children has now surpassed the drug trade and the gun trade. How bad is it? It's that fucking bad. And it's not just these people trafficking children. These are people like doing it within church settings and Cub Scout settings and Girl Scout settings and places where adults are supposed to be in places of power over children and but places of respect. And those places of respect are getting soiled with these people being fucking disgusting. So she stood up for her right. And she did say, like I said earlier, that artists are more worth like they're, they're worth more money when they're dead than they're alive. She said for her kids, if they ever found her dead, which I'm sure they did, to call her accountant and her business people before they called 911 or an ambulance or anything like that to revive her because she wanted to make sure that none of her music that she put away got released. And if it does get released, she wants to know that money's going to her kids. And she wanted to make sure that she had enough money, that she made enough money, she toured, and she made enough music creatively that she never had to worry about asking a man or asking any partner for any money. She was self-sufficient. She could send her children to schools, good schools. She could feed them. She she makes sure they're, they're taken care of for the rest of their life. They have a good, like I say, education. They have a good life set up for them. But she said, like she said, because of what happened to Prince, when Prince died, his estate was taken over and they had, he, Prince made a vault, like a vault, a bank vault of the unreleased music he didn't want to release and he didn't want anyone to hear. 
as artists, we all fucking have these things. We all have shit that we don't want people to hear. We all have songs that are just like, wow, that's toilet water. I don't want anyone to hear that. And so I'm sure Prince did too. If he made the, the, if he went to the trouble of building a vault to protect it all, and then his estate was like not his family, they just went and released all those things. For them to release it and the money to go God knows where, probably to the record company, to release all those things that he was embarrassed of. She doesn't want that to happen to her. She wants her legacy and her art and her name to be preserved, especially for her children and for, for financial reasons too. Like she wants her kids to be taken care of. And I don't, I don't fucking blame her. I don't fucking blame her. Like I say, it's a crime. It's a crime. It's a crime. It's a crime how they treat artists after they die. It's a crime how they fucking treat them while they're here. It's a crime how they treated Sinead O'Connor. She said not, not too long ago that, I think she was talking about Miley Cyrus making fun of Lindsay Lohan or something. And she said that mockery in the end always kills someone making fun of somebody so bad and to hurt them so badly on such a deep level. Like what makes you so mean that you need to make fun of someone? Why are you hurting? You must be hurting really bad to make fun of someone so hard and hate them so much that you would say so many hateful things about them. And she said that in the end, mockery, mockery kills. You always die. And you know what? She was right. She was mocked her whole life since that stint on, on, on Saturday Night Live and, and before then. Sinead O'Connor, if you ever get the chance, and I said it now, to watch Nothing Compares, the documentary that came out about her in 2022. I watched it before she passed away, obviously, when it came out right away with Rob. And then I watched it again after her death. And it just, she had a fucking horrible life. She had a mother who made her sleep outside. If that gives you any perspective on what her life was like living up in a shitty fucking poor part of Ireland with no dad and a mother that was not mentally equipped to take care of her or her siblings. She was just kind of really not there. Sinead O'Connor did not have a nice life. So I hope, I hope sincerely that she is at peace because like I say it's a crime it's a crime and speaking of crimes more crimes in the city like the price of ribs at Ribfest this year holy fuck $44 for half a rack of ribs it's like this big with a little bun and some coleslaw and some shitty potato salad I told my kids I'm like I will make you a rib fest at home which I did I barbecued the shit out of some ribs I made some beautiful low and slow ribs I made them smoky and then I barbecued them the kids loved them. I used some sauce from a local guy here in town, proper heathen hot sauces. He had like a smoked black tea, Texas style barbecue sauce, bitchin' fucking sauce, like bitchin'. Good barbecue sauce. He actually makes hot sauces too. I don't know if he just made this barbecue sauce for rib fest, but I want more. I want to put that shit on everything, but his hot sauces are fucking amazing. Uh, I'll probably bring some of them on the show because I enjoy proper heathen hot sauces quite a lot. And it's like someone that I know like as well, like, which is cool, you know? So it's always good to, to, to run into them. And I ran into them, like I say, this weekend. And like, I love hot sauce. Although I love this black tea, Texas barbecue sauce. I ended up doing some really fun things uh, at Ribfest, And now I can introduce the segment that you've missed. That's back, like I said, I'm too much of a lazy bitch and I'm too tired to fucking separate these things anymore. So it's back. It's back, baby. What's back? Beers and bitching. 
Beards and Bitchin is back because why would I not have Beards and Bitchin on the show? And what has been bitchin' for the month of August? Holy shit. Actually, Ribfest was bitchin'. As much as there were saucy, 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 sticky beards at, at Ribfest, I want to make sure they would be nice and clean and smell nice and fresh and not be covered in sauce because ribs, I hear, are a real bitch to eat when you got a beard. Tell me about this, people. After I did Beards on the Beach, which was really successful about a week ago, which is a part of Rockaholic's summer giveaway, sir, or like our, our, our giveaway, it's a, it's a, it's a giveaway extravaganza, whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's like a fun thing. I decided that there was going to be random acts, excuse me, of beardness, like random acts of kindness, but random acts of beardness. And so this is what I'm talking to people about. I come up to them, I say, hello, have you ever used beard oil before? And a lot of people, it was a resounding no. And I, for a lot of couple, a couple of guys, their partners would say to me, I'm like, oh, do you use beard oil? One guy's wife piped up and was like, not enough. His beard smells like cheeseburgers. So I was just like, oh my God, balls. So he got a bottle and uh, yeah, it was great. But like I, like I say, I found the best beards at, at Ribfest. I found the most luscious locks because I didn't just give it to guys with beards. I gave it to, to girls with long hair and people with long hair and people with afros, like people that it was going to help, butter to people that it was going to help. Like I found people that wanted to do it. The people who got their picture taken were the people that consented to get the picture taken. The other people did not, but like, I don't care. You want your picture on the internet? Sure. If you don't, you don't. I got some great conversations. I gave out a lot of oils and butters. It makes my heart grow to help first time users that are clearly super grateful and super appreciative of what they're getting. It was awesome. I met so many rad humans doing it and what I do like this kind of thing, giving out stuff for free or doing random acts of beardness and kindness. I'll never stop. I like doing that stuff way too much. It costs a little bit of money out of pocket, but I look at it as my charity work and my karma work. It'll come back. I decided to do random acts of beardness and kindness all August to promote good mental health because mental health is really important and access because a lot of people can't afford grooming oil or beard oil. Like, let's face it. It's not cheap for everybody. Like some people have just lost their jobs. So I wanted to like, I wanted to make awareness around mental health, self-care and, and access. And so that's why I wanted to make random acts of beardness kind of fun for the month of August and give out some stuff because we all need to take care of ourselves and we all deserve good self-care. So I thought I can, if there's a way I can provide that, which there is, I will. Just the same reason that I'm going to do the hot sauce competition to see how much hot sauce this bitch can consume for Forgotten 519 because I give a shit about our unhoused population and I want to do something. Like I say, if you want to do something, do something. Stand up and fucking do it. Don't sit there and fucking choke to death on your words. Get up and do something. So that's what I'm going to do. Like I say, we need to take good care of ourselves. In taking good care of ourselves, I got some bitchin' reviews the last couple weeks. People doing round robin with some rockaholic oils and butters and soaps and things of that nature and candies and things like that that I've been sending in the mail. I've been doing a lot of customs. I've had a lot of bitchin' reviewers, like like say, great reviews from great reviewers. Like they can't tell you enough. And it's a lot of the guys that have smaller channels that I would like, that I'm happy to, to see that I'd rather see than, you know, some guy with 80,000, you know, subscribers, 
you know, half are paid for. And, you know, I mean, it's all bullshit pushing huge brands. But, you know, these guys are the smaller channels. This is where you're going to find the gold. This is where you're going to find the diamond in the rough. You're going to find the good oils and things that you may not have heard about because they're they're trying smaller companies and maybe companies you haven't heard before. Maybe like mine. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I got three or four, four new scents coming. Booyah! I'm so excited for fall. I'm so excited for fall with the scents that are coming. I have one that is kind of a vampire themed scent. I can't tell you too much about that yet. I can't tell you the name. I'll just say it's called vampire. And then I've got one that is uh, like a Halloween themed scent. It's got, I will tell you that it does have pumpkin in it because I wasn't going to put any pumpkin in anything this year, but I know that you fucking, oh, everyone is a basic bitch around Halloween. Everyone loves fucking pumpkin. Pumpkin, pumpkin spice. They love the pumpkin. What can I say? Everybody loves the pea. Everybody loves the pea. She wants the pea. He wants the pea. They want the pea. Everyone wants the pea. You want the D? I'm just kidding. But like I say, anyways, I got lots of different scents coming. You think that the beard and grooming industry would be boring, right? You think that this would be a pretty menial sort of job, just like mixing things, wearing a lot of like protective equipment, making sure things smell right and consistencies come out well, quality control, kind of, you know, tedious. But sometimes you hear things from really, 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 really big batch companies, like world, probably the world's biggest beard and grooming company that you're not supposed to hear. And it's disappointing. You're not supposed to hear this stuff at all. Someone caught a company with its pants down by somehow secretly recording a meeting between the owner and the main like Goombas of the group where they name reviewers that I know personally. I'm not gonna throw this company under the bus because like I say, they're one of the biggest, largest grooming companies in the world and uh, they'd sue the shit out of me. And they talk about how they wanna blow little companies out of the water. They talk, like I won't reveal my sources at all. Like I, like I, will, I will say that. You do, how do you get a recording of a meeting of one of the biggest beard companies in the world? That's what I wanna know because when I heard it, my fucking jaw dropped. Then, why the fuck would you send it to me of all people? What am I gonna do with it? This is some weird culty shit. And generally I love a little culty shit and a little thing like that here and now. I love, I love a little cult show or a cult movie here and there. But this is like, these guys were talking about like mind control, about how to, people, to get people to like their beard company and what books you use to control them. And these are books that are notoriously used by cult leaders. And I couldn't believe this. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll get crazy and release the audio. Ooh, wouldn't that be crazy? Because then you know exactly what company it is. I don't know if I'll do that or not. But like I say, what if I had all this audio from a meeting from this crazy fucking company? What can I say? I don't know how anyone got this. But like, I will take my beard oil without a side of brainwashing, please. I'll support small batch any day and not this kind of shit going on. Cause this was like, this freaked me out like huge. It was crazy. 
Speaking of brainwashed, oh my God. Sometimes white people, and I, I gotta say this because I'm white people. Sometimes white people are fucking stupid, man. We do stupid shit and we steal culture and we steal religion and we steal things from other cultures and we try to make them ours. And then we make ourselves look like assholes because we can't even steal the right way. Seriously. I mean, number one, we're living on stolen land. That's a thing. And if you don't believe me, ask anyone. Um, but like my white ass neighbors, this lady, they have a pool and they're a couple over and like down. And every Saturday morning, if it's nice, she conducts an outside yoga class for like at 20 bucks a pop for like the neighborhood ladies that want to go practice yoga. And she puts some stuff up on, on like the Facebook for our group and shit like that. $20 for an hour yoga class. So she starts the yoga class. So yoga is of Indian descent and origin, obviously. It starts, she starts with a prayer and I've heard her outside before because I've been outside having a cigar in the morning and I'm stinking up their fucking yoga class with my big stogie and uh, like Al Capone out there. Fucking, she starts out with a prayer from Kabbalism, like a Kabbalistic prayer, which is ancient Jewish mysticism. Starts the yoga class, Indian yoga class, off with a Kabbalistic prayer. Then she gets out the Tibetan singing bowls. Yep. Tibetan, like Tibetan. We're talking like Buddhism and stuff. Now we're getting out the singing bowls. And then she yammers on about yoga and blah, 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 blah. And holy cross-pollination, Batman. She's just putting everything together. She's like making like a Swiss army knife of like religions and cultures that she's putting together. All in this melting pot and mixing bowl of singing bowl. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Stolen neighbor's culture. Like sometimes, I'm not kidding. White people are seriously the worst. And I'm not saying this like to be funny. I'm saying this because it's true. You don't realize how like stupid you are with, you know, your cultural appropriation until like you get called on the carpet. Just seriously, I'm over here creating a melting pot of, you know, bullshit by the pool at $20 a head every Saturday morning. Not me, my neighbor, she's doing it. You know what I'd like to see instead of these like home yoga things, I'd like to see like cool, like neighborhood concerts or smaller concerts and some like cool, small festivals. I don't want to see these packed festivals where you can't move and you're shoulder to shoulder with everybody and you can't enjoy yourself. I'd love a concert market slash sober fest. I've been fought, like I've been actually falling into a few rabbit holes and falling down a few rabbit holes that have helped with bringing this to actual fruition. I've been talking about this for a while, all in a wheelchair accessible place, like including bathrooms, no strobe lights, but you can have like smoke and stuff like that because like seizure and no alcohol. So like a non-alcoholic like cocktail night with a concert and like maybe some uh, like a movie you can throw on at 9 p.m. after bands play and like the day and stuff like that and a movie playing in the background while there's vendors going on selling, you know, different things. Um, I started to get all of that sorted and I'm just looking at the venue right now and getting that secured. So this obviously won't be ready for till 2024. I'm finally ready to start spin the bottle 
my monthly live show where we're gonna listen to an album and make a custom product out of what we came up with. So maybe it's a night where we're listening to Leonard Skinner. So we're listening to a Leonard Skinner album, we're listening to Street Survivors or something. And it's whatever we come up with. And then I put that scent, whatever we've come up with together live in a scent for you, whether it's a cologne, it'll be something custom. So it's something that I don't always do. And I'll send it to you. So a cologne, a, like a perfume, a, a roll on, a, a butter, a wax, a oil, whatever you want. I'll send lotion, I'll send it to you. And so we're gonna do that. You choose the product, I'll make it, I'll send it. Like I say, we're doing the watch parties. So if like we watched a movie, for instance, instead of listening to an album, we do something inspired by the movie. Arts and crafts is fun, especially when you can uh, involve music and pop culture and it's amazing the concepts you can come up with. And coming up with all this festival stuff and the market stuff has been a gigantic collective concept with a lot of uh, artists and uh, local people I know and activists I know. It's also kind of scary, yeah, and let's talk scary for me because it's the first time I've completely organized a festival totally like by myself. Like, although I have like tons of amazing helpers and a great like team, it'll be the first time I've played live, like what year we're in. So it'll be in 2024 when this festival is because it takes that long to fucking organize people, just so you know. So that'll make it about six years since I've played a show live because I played a show with Kitty. I mean, unless something totally musical comes up before then, that's when you'll see me hit the stage with a band again. You'll see me smack it out of the water. I thought it was going to be this summer, but may really change things with my seizure, not just my ability, but also my capacity as well. I never thought for one second I'd skip hiring a, like a, a lights person because of seizures, you know, and a seizure prone crowd. Making a venue 100% wheelchairs accessible and uh, like was really important to me. This means like the washrooms too. I go to a lot of venues and they're not wheelchair accessible or they're like, they'll have stairs. Or if someone's in a wheelchair, they just point them to some shitty elevator. No, 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 I don't want that. That's not what I want. I want accessible like for everyone. So everyone has access, not different access, the same. I think music and markets need to have access and there are plenty of good places like this, like in London, like let's add another one. Like Punk Rock Flea Market, for instance, is a great market that creates access, safe space, like all those sorts of things. And like people's, you're allowed to be yourself there. You know what I mean? You're allowed to be your, exactly who you want. I think that Punk Rock Flea Market does a good thing and they put on good stuff. Anything presented by them is worth going to. I didn't totally see ableism, like I see say behind concerts. This is why I want accessibility because like Punk Rock Flea Market is very all about accessibility and they're not, they're very anti-ableism, which is like me. That's maybe why we get along, maybe why I do Punk Rock Flea Markets and I like doing them. I didn't totally see the ableism behind concerts and fairs and bazaars and markets until it actually started affecting me on a personal level. So better than late than never to realize this, I guess. But this is why I thought, let's do this like sober fest slash concert slash movie slash vendor slash let's just slap it all together and have some mocktails and have some food and let's have some fun. Like let's make it a day or let's make it two days. Let's have a good time. Let's make it covered. So if it starts raining, we've got somewhere to go. So we're not in trouble. You know, let's have a band show. Let's have some artists. Like, let's go. 
So it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. Absolutely, absolutely over the moon. Something else I'm excited about is something that I have not been able to talk about. And now the cat is coming out of the bag because I've not been able to say this at all. And this is absolutely crazy news. And I say better late than ever because this has been something that has been in the works for like a long time now, like, like years. As most of you know, my partner, Rob, is a filmmaker and he makes pop culture programs, a lot that I've like narrated documentaries, stuff that I've done like voiceover work on. Like we work like together a lot of the times. And he also works like individually too. He's done all kinds of documentaries and films, like they're on all kinds of different platforms. So whether you know that or not, now you do. My partner is a filmmaker, it's Rob McCallum. If you want to look for him and he's made all kinds of things. You you think of something, he commercials, like he's he's made it. So you know how America has Mr. Rogers and he's like totally a treasure in children's television and learning and gentle learning and things like that. Well, Canada, and I want you to look this up, has had, had, has had, had, because he's deceased now, Mr. Dress Up. And if you were lucky enough to live in Michigan in, in the US, chances are you grew up with this Canadian treasure of children's television and childhood education. Mr. Dress Up was everybody's like grandpa. Like I'll say that for sure. He'd sit down and do a craft with you. And like the next minute you'd be off because he'd be dressed up like as a tugboat captain. He'd be sailing the high seas like in one of his like many like drawings that he'd draw on like a big board with markers. And it was like a good artist too. And or he'd be cutting through construction paper. And I can remember the sound of him cutting through paper with like his scissors. He was so treasured by so many Canadians that we've actually voted to have him put on currency in our country. That's how much we like Mr. Dress Up. The man is the closest thing to like a friggin' saint I can actually think of. He really made an impact on child enrichment with, with learning. And when it came to learning, you felt so seen and so valued by him. It didn't matter what was going on. Mr. Dress Up always made you feel warm and good and uh like anyhow so like i say a few years ago rob started documenting and interviewing people involved with mr dress up and the show and his family etc and bing bang bong it got picked up by some very big heavy hitters in the film industry as far as distribution and things like that and uh the film has now wrapped but that's not all Think, I want you to think, 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 think of film festivals. Think Sundance, film festival, the Cannes, Cannes Film Festival, Tribeca Film Festival. Now think Rob's film, Saving Mr. Dressup, documenting the life and times of Mr. Dressup, like, like our Canadian absolute hero, is premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival, which is fucking like one of the largest film festivals in the world. Just to say I'm kind of like lost for words, like when he told me, is like an understatement. When he told me, like I almost like didn't believe him. I still kind of like don't believe that it's real. I don't know why. I'm very proud of him because he's worked incredibly hard and made crazy sacrifices to make this film come to fruition. And like I was literally crying in the kitchen over the fucking trailer of this movie because I'm a big fat baby. I'm a big fat bitch baby who was crying over the trailer. But this is like my childhood, right? It felt like I hopped on my bicycle with the banana seat and like 
the like little floofy things on the handlebars and stuff with the basket in the front. And I just pedaled past my childhood in the best way possible, like in a happy, joyful way. And no matter what was going on in my life, like I said, or if some kid was giving me shit at school or whatever, I could always turn on Mr. Dress Up and forget about all of that. Sometimes it's good to turn on the imagination station. And like, that's all you need. Turn off your TV, turn off your phone, fucking close your books. Like, you know what I mean? Pencils down everybody and turn on the fucking imagination station. That said, my imagination station is in full swing, baby! Because it's recording session night for me and playing like 14 fucking instruments on one track, not including drums, is a fucking, it's a lot. Like, I'm trying to like recreate the wall of sound and I'm the wall and the sound. So it's hard to do that beautifully and well without sounding like angry because you have to play 14 different things and put them over top of each other. No rest, no rest, no rest for the wicked. Everybody's laying on top of each other. All the tracks are laying on top of each other. Everybody's getting all in bed with each other. That's what's happening. No rest, no rest, no rest for the wicked. You know where to find this Wicked Witch. If you want to find me, I'm always on Instagram. You know, I'm on Instagram at 21st Century Rocker Mom. I'm on TikTok at 21st Century Rocker Mom. Not the same, obviously. I'm on threads now on Instagram because I don't do Twitter anymore because it is an absolutely crazy pedophile ring. Twitter's nuts. Got off there. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I'm at Tanny Candler channel. You can subscribe. You'll never miss a thing. Hopefully this one will be streaming. Because I think I've got my platform thing figured out. I think I do. I think I can. I think I can. Hit the link tree at the top of my Instagram profile if you want to find out wherever I am. If you can't find anything, you might want to check out, if you're so inclined, the Rockaholic Grooming Company at The Rockaholic Grooming Company on Instagram. If you want to do anything, if you want me to rock your hair or your beard, you want me to rock your bod, you want me to rock anything with my prod, with my products, let's go. So give me a DM, drop me a line, drop me a message, send me a comment, send me a link, whatever you like. Come at me, bro, sis, whoever you are, come at me. <laughs> like I say, be good, be kind to one another, have a wonderful couple weeks ahead. I will see you next time. And I'll have news probably soon from the red carpet and more. And uh, yeah, like I say, We'll talk more about OnlyFans, things like that, things that are happening in the world of myself. Until then, like I say, be good. T-Crest out. I will see you on the flip-flop. Be good to each other. Be good to each other.